Greetings, this is Pastor Stan Harvey of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. It is our hope that this message, whether it be a Sunday service or a midweek lesson, would be a blessing and a help to you in your spiritual journey. Stay connected with us on our website, posydney.com, or on our numerous social media platforms. Now to the service. Well, I'm not going to be ministering on that, even though I was very, very tempted to <laughs> preach about Ishmael and Isaac. But I'll get to, to I'll, I'll preach about the, uh, the grandmother. Uh, Genesis chapter 21. If you have your Bibles with you, let's turn to Genesis 29. Genesis 29, verse number 31 to 35. Let us stand in honor of the reading of God's word. I'm kind of continuing my series. I, I had the series about some of God's favorite things. His broken things. He's one of his favorite things. Barren things. People, situations that are barren. And I believe this is one of the other things that God's favorite. Uh, God loves the rejected. Genesis 29, verse 31 to 35. When, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. And she conceived again and bare a son, and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again. And bear a son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. And she conceived again and bare a son and she said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah and left bearing. Amen. There's an old country song written by Johnny Lee. Some of you uh, of the seniors might remember this song. It's called Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. I want to preach to you on that title today. Let us pray. I want to pray for, uh, of course, the situation in Israel. But also we want to pray for uh, Brother Wayne's a mother who's been hospitalized in Singapore uh, due to a bacterial infection. We want to ask the Lord to heal her. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord God, we, th we thank you, Lord, that we can live here in this country in peace. There's relative safety, Lord God. And yet we know, Lord Jesus, that our lives are in your hands, Lord God, that there's but a step between us and in our eternity. And Lord Jesus, we pray for those that are caught up in this conflict. Lord, we in particular, we pray for our missionaries, our churches. Lord, there are Palestinian Jews, there are Palestinian Christians, there are Jewish Christians, Lord God. And Lord God, for this conflict, we ask you to bring peace in Jerusalem, Lord, and that your hand would be upon the people of God and that you would bring protection to all the innocent civilians that are there. We pray, Lord God, where it seems almost impossible to find peace between two... Uh, diametrically opposed worldviews and, and core beliefs, 
Yet, Lord Jesus, I pray that in the midst of that, you would bring salvation to these, to these souls. Lord, we pray for your peace in them, in Jesus' name. We pray for, for Brother Wayne's mother, Lord God, in, uh, in, in Singapore right now, Lord Jesus. I ask you to bring healing to this precious woman, Lord God, that you would give strength and healing and wholeness and that you would recover her, Lord. We ask this now in Jesus' name and others, Lord God, that may be struggling with illnesses. Lord, we pray that you would be their healer. You would be their great physician, Lord God, to come in as the son of righteousness with healing in your wings. In Jesus' name. Lord, speak to us once again, we pray. Anoint your servant. Anoint your people, Lord God, we ask. Have your way in this house. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for standing. God bless you. You may be seated. Somehow I just could not get away from this idea of what, how God is drawn to those who are broken, to those who are barren, to those who are rejected or hated. Just to set the context of this story, uh, Isaac's two sons, Jacob, are at war because Jacob had fled after uh, deceiving his father in receiving uh, the birthright or the blessing. He also managed to uh, lure away from his brother Esau, who did not have a strong consideration for the birthright or the inheritance that he had. And so uh, the story goes that Jacob put on uh, goat's hair and his father was blind, couldn't see him, and somehow he tricked his father into giving him the blessing uh, of the inheritance that was due to the firstborn, his brother Esau. So Esau finds out about it, and of course, uh, Esau is the father of the Edomites. Again, the Edomites uh, find their, their uh, lineage in the land of the Sinai in the Arabian Peninsula. Um, it is interesting, and of course, Jacob becomes Israel. And Jacob flees. He leaves because he's afraid his brother's going to kill him. So he goes to live with his uncle Laban. And uh, living with his uncle Laban as a fugitive, if you will, he serves his uncle. And as he's serving his uncle, working for him, he sees his uncle's daughter, Rachel, which was his first cousin, essentially. And he wants to marry her. And, of course, in, in those days, uh, that wasn't illegal. Um, but they could marry. And I don't have time to unpack all of that, but that was acceptable in Scripture. And so uh, his uncle tells him, okay, uh, Jacob, and of course, remember the name Jacob means supplanter or deceiver, and tells him, you can uh, have her, but you'll have to work for her for, for me for seven years. He works as an under-shepherd for seven years, and uh, he, after seven years, he'll get to marry the woman of his dreams. The Bible says that Rachel was beautiful. And so he works for seven years. The, the wedding day finally arrives. Uh, they're celebrating, you know, whatever the custom is. But apparently the custom is perhaps that she would have the, the bride would be wearing a veil, often like what we would see today. Although 
are the veils today wearing the white dresses you could see pretty clearly through that veil but uh, the wedding goes on uh, they they celebrate and then they get to the uh, the marital uh, bedroom and then he wakes up the next morning and turning over to give his new bride a kiss instead of seeing the beautiful face of Rachel he sees instead her older sister Leah whom the Bible says Leah is tender-eyed now I don't we're not really sure what that actually means I think the King James is maybe being a little kind but what the intent is that it is a contrast between uh, Ra- Leah and Rachel. The Rachel was beautiful. It says in Genesis 29:17 that Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And so uh, the idea was that Rachel would look quite different from Leah, and that Leah was beautiful and, and Rachel was tender-eyed. Or Leah was tender-eyed. Rachel was beautiful. Uh, now again. Tender-eyed could mean that she was cross-eyed, you know, like, uh, I'm not sure. So, you know, wakes up next to her and there she is going, you know, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to give myself a headache. Or she could have had, I don't know, maybe a lazy eye. Maybe she had lazy eye, you know, something with a lazy eye, like one eye. You know, we're not sure, but she wasn't attractive. She wasn't the one that he thought he was working those seven years for. And so he goes to his father-in-law and says, what what's the meaning of this? You tricked me. And, and remember that the Jacob was the trickster as well. He tricked his own father to giving him the blessing, and now he himself was being tricked. Amen. This, this is just a simple reminder to us, brothers and sisters, that what you sow, you shall reap. <coughs> Amen. And that's, you know, Jesus said, you live by the sword, you're going to die by it. <clears throat> However you're going to live, that, that's what you're going to get. And so he himself is a victim of this uh, sleight of hand, if you will. And so uh, Laban makes him another deal. He said, okay, Jacob, well, you know, I know you want Rachel so badly, but in our custom, you got to marry the older one first. Okay, gives him this, uh, makes, I think he's making up the rules as he's going along, you know. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, um, in our culture, you got to marry the older one first. That's right. That's why you got Leah. So you can still have Rachel, but you got to work for another seven years for her. And so he does that. He does exactly that. He works for another seven years. And finally, uh, you know, he, he gets to marry her. But, but for those seven years, he's married to Leah. Leah was not the gorgeous Rachel. Uh, Leah did not possess the, uh, uh, the genetic uh, blessings and did not, it did not favor her. Life didn't afford Leah the blessings of good looks. And life simply was not fair i can just imagine perhaps what what leah was thinking as she looks over to her younger sister rachel why is it that she was blessed with good looks why is it that she was favored and and here i am tender-eyed married to a man who doesn't even want to be married to me and she may have questioned all of these things in her own mind growing up why was little sister so much prettier the young man would always look at her down at the markets and there would be no shortage of handsome suitors. But many would look at Leah as someone perhaps having a disability. <clears throat> Life is not fair. It is not fair. And oftentimes we can even look at our own circumstance and wonder why wasn't I born with this? Why don't I have these particular set of circumstances that I see my brother possessing, that I see my sister being favored with? Why 
is life so unfair? Why, why wasn't I born at a certain height? Why, why couldn't I, you know, somebody, you know, I think is one of the cruelest things that the Americans did uh, in the Philippines was introduce the game of basketball. The Philippines was colonized, we'll talk maybe more last, next week. Philippines was colonized by the Americans for 50 years. Introduced all kinds of things, you know, Hollywood movies, all of these things. One of the things they introduced was the game of basketball. It is a national sport. And uh, everywhere you go, in the street corners, you will see some kind of basketball ring on a street po- on, a, on a lamppost or something like that. And they love it everywhere. But, but the Filipinos, we average about five foot six in height. And we, I used to play basketball, and I said, well, God, you know, I, I used to, I grew up watching Michael Jordan. So why, why couldn't I be six foot? I, I struggled to even touch the net in the basketball ring. But, but and, and I just, you know, as a teenager, wondered and struggled with why is life so unfair? Now, I, I know for us as adults, those are kind of trivial things. But let me tell you today, brothers and sisters, that life is not fair. That you will never have complete uh, equality or, or a complete egalitarianism. Life is never going to be just perfectly just in every aspect of life. Uh, we, we are born in the way that we are. You ever wonder why was I born in this particular nationality? Why was I born in this particular country? Amen. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking too much. But have you ever wondered why, why couldn't I have been born? Why was I born on the, other, the wrong side of the tracks? Amen. Why, why wasn't I born from a, with a rich family so that, you know, it is just inherited to me? But let me tell you, folks, brothers and sisters, life is not fair. And, and, and even more so in the situation that Leo was experiencing was that the Bible says that Leo was not, was hated. She wasn't only not loved, but she was hated. But here's what the Bible says, that when Leo, when God saw that Leah was hated or she was rejected, God opened up her womb, amen, and began to give her children. As opposed to Rachel, who when Rachel, after even she was married for many years, could not have children. But the fact that when Leah was rejected, that she was hated, God saw her suffering and he opened up her womb. Amen. Can I tell you today, brothers and sisters, that that unearned suffering is redemptive. That whatever suffering that you may have to go through, a God will use it to redeem something out of that circumstance. Amen. Especially when life is not fair. Especially when you have been rejected, when you have been hated. Particularly in life when, when life hasn't been so good and so favorable to you. Can I tell you, when you look to God and even if society and the world hates you because it hated you and rejected you, I want you to know that God will redeem it for his purpose and for his glory. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us that God opened up her womb. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For see, she said, and this has to do with his name Reuben. She said, surely the Lord has looked upon my affliction now, and therefore my husband will love me. She said, I've given him a son. And, and because I've given him a son, now he can see me. 
Now he can see. That's what Reuben means. The Lord sees that he can see who I am, that he's not looking right through me like I was invisible and, and looking at, at Rachel. Amen. That he's not just looking at me and, and enduring and tolerating me because he wants to eventually get to Rachel. She said, now I've given him a son. And so he can at least see that I'm not invisible. He can at least see that I am here and that I exist. But still, Jacob did not love her. And then in verse number 33, she conceived again, the Bible says, and bare a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I was hated, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon, which means to be heard. Amen. She, she realizes that I've given him a son, Reuben, and he still doesn't see me. Now I've given him a second son. And surely now, even if he can't see me, he can at least hear my voice, that he can hear me. His name meant heard. And yet the Bible tells us even though she gave him a second son, amen, that there was still nothing, no response, that it's well assumed that Jacob still hated her. And so in verse number 34, the Bible tells us that she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, he, she called his name Levi, which means to be attached or to be connected in relationship. And so she said, well, you can't. I give him a son, and so hopefully he could see me, but he still doesn't see me. I've given him a second son, so hopefully he can hear my voice and know that I'm there, but still he hasn't heard me. Now a third, I've given him a third son. Surely now we are connected, we are attached because I've given him three boys. And, and so she can't, he can't deny. Yet uh, she still didn't get the love that she was wanting from her, her husband. And verse number 35, finally, she has a fourth son. And she said something's different here. She said, uh, now I will praise the Lord. And therefore she called his name Judah and left bearing. Amen. Something happened by the time she gets to the fourth son. The first son, she was trying to get his attention. The second son, she was trying to get him to hear her. The third son, surely she thought, I, at least I've got this some kind of connection. And then I think in the fourth son, something happened to her where she realized that no matter what she did to give to him what he wanted, she was never going to be able to win his love. And so this time she took her eyes off of her husband and instead took her eyes and put her eyes upon the Lord and said, now I'm going to begin to praise you. Now I'm going to praise my God. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, this woman was looking for her husband to see her, to hear her, to be connected to her, when all that time she came to realize that God was the one that could see her, that God was the one that could hear her voice and hear her cries that God was the one that was connected to her. I've come to tell you here, ladies and gentlemen, that there is somebody that sees you, that has his eyes upon the sparrow, that has his eyes upon you, that can hear the voice that cries out of your mouth and is connected to you. 
Hallelujah. And so I've come to tell Leah, Leah, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. You can't make anybody love you that doesn't want to love you. But there is somebody that loves you. There's somebody that cares for you. There's somebody that hears, that bottles up every tear that falls from your eyes. I want you to know, church, that God loves you. I've simply came to this pulpit this morning on assignment from God to let you know that he loves you. He sees you when nobody else sees you. He sees you when people are looking right through you and you are invisible to those around you. But God sees you where you are and he loves you with an everlasting love. Oh, would you lift your hands and begin to worship God? Would you begin to lift him up? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He sees us. Job says, and for his eyes, in Job 34 and 21, his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he sees all his goings. There is no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. He sees you. If you're looking for validation in other people, if you're looking to justify your existence through things that, 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 that you think will make you important, money, material things, stuff, position, roles, titles. I'm telling you, you're looking for love in all of the wrong places. Amen. There's a God who loves you. There's a God who cares about you. The Bible says that his love that compasses all knowledge, that he doesn't just have love, but God is love. He didn't just come to, to have some kind of a judge, a judge and, a, and a subject kind of relationship. He is love personified. What he wants is to pour out himself into your life because he sees you in every waking moment with every struggle you go through in the wee hours of the night when tears are falling from your eyes he sees you he loves you even when you come to this church and you walk in and walk out and nobody knows your name I want you to know God he knows your name and he has you in the palm of his hand you are the apple of his eye oh praise the Lord glory to God he sees us, and he hears us. Psalms 56, he says, you tell my wanderings, verse number 8, put thou my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? He's bottled up the tears that we shed. When I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. This I will know. For God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. And I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Oh, hallelujah. I've put my trust in the Lord. Can I tell you today, you can trust in God. That no matter how dark the situation is, you can trust in the Lord. That he'll never let you go through anything that you cannot handle. And if you ever face a situation that you cannot handle, God said, I'm going to be with you to give you the strength. Come on, somebody. 
You can trust in his word. You can bank upon his word. You can build your life upon the word of God. There's only one thing in this world that is worth giving your life for, and that is the word of God, the truth of his promises. Oh, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will put our trust in the name of the Lord our God. Hallelujah. Can I tell you, you can trust him with your life. You can trust him with your future. You can trust him with everything that's going on. That's why when you come into the presence of God, you want to lift your hands and lift your voice and worship God with everything that you have. You say, well, pastor, you don't understand. My life is in a shambles right now. Things are not going well to me right now. Can I tell you, if you are still with God, it's going to be all right because he hears you. He sees you where you're at. He hears your voice. He hears the cry and the praises that come forth out of your mouth. Hallelujah. He's a God that hears. He's a God that sees us. And he's a God that is attached to us. He's a God that is within us. That he gave, the Bible tells us, he came to this world. And he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And he came to this world so that he can give us this wonderful gift of his spirit to dwell within us. Not to give us religion, not to give us just a set of rules, not to give us uh, just some kind, of, some kind of structure by which to follow. He said, I will be in you as a well of living water that flows unto everlasting life. God wasn't satisfied just to give us the commandments, uh, the law, but he said, I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to dwell with inside of you. He's a God who's not satisfied to be afar off, but he desires to dwell on the inside, within side of us to cause us to become born again that when we were walking in sin and we were dead in sin and yet he says come to me all of you that are tired that are weary you're heavily laden with burdens of sin he said come to me and I will give to you my yoke for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and he said I will give to you the gift of the Holy Ghost that shall dwell within inside of you can I tell you the greatest gift is the gift of God has given to us a forgiveness that we can have our sins washed and we can receive his spirit within us. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And I, I think with there, there are so many what we call types in the Bible. Typology is this idea that there are things in the Old Testament that are examples or analogies or metaphors of what is the real thing. In fact, what you will see in the physical world is often a reflection of a spiritual reality. For example, the, the, the law of sowing and reaping. It says if you, know, if you take a seed, you put it in the ground, you sow it, you, you water it, with being exposed to the elements, eventually it's going to grow. You're going to reap something from sowing. It's the law of the harvest. Now, that, that law doesn't just apply to the physical. It also applies to the spiritual. That if you sow whatever it is that you sow, that's what you're going to reap spiritually. So if you live a life of sinfulness, 
you live a life of unrighteousness and sin, you're going to get what sin produces, which is death. But if you sow to yourself righteousness, the Bible tells us, then you're going to have the righteousness and the blessings of God incurred in your life. Now, now, please let me qualify. When I say blessings, I'm not just talking about, I'm not talking about money because uh, you can have money and not be blessed. <laughs> Amen. But, but it's the same. that What we see in the physical is often a reflection of a spiritual reality. And, and one of the most beautiful types uh, you'll find in Scripture, of course, the many types in the Old Testament, the type of Jesus Christ. Moses was a type of Jesus. He was like Jesus in some ways. He was the meekest man on the earth. Uh, he, was, uh, he went through uh, lots of suffering and pain. And, of course, he was a type of Jesus. We also see that in Joseph. Joseph was a type of Jesus in that he was, he was rejected. He was sold into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus, like manna, was sold for 30 pieces. Uh, and so very similar. One of the beautiful types of Jesus, is we find, is that of Leah, of this woman. Leah was, the Bible says, was hated. She was rejected by her own husband who didn't want her. In fact, uh, I could just imagine that the Jacob was just tolerating Leah so that he could get to, to fulfill his, his ultimate desire and dream, which was to be with Rachel. He said, man, I just, I just got to deal with this cross-eyed woman for seven years. And then I'm going to get, you know, Miss Universe over here. I just got to put up with Cinderella over here. Or maybe it was the other sisters of Cinderella. I can't. But he had to tolerate her. There was no love. Even, there, there's even a passage in Scripture there in Genesis where, where Leah wanted so much to be with her husband that, that she uh, sold her sister Rachel, uh, her uh, mandrakes, so that she can get uh, her time after Rachel and, and her were married so that Leah can have more time with, with Jacob. So, so Rachel exchanged her, her time slot with her husband because they had to share. Uh, and so Leah bought that so that she could spend more time with Jacob. Even though Leah was hated, Jacob loved Rachel. But if you read it, Rachel was more concerned about her not having babies. She said, you know, uh, she said these words, these famous words, give me children lest I die. That's what she said. And Jacob was like, you know, well, you know what? You still got me. Even if you can't have babies, I'm still here. But, but she didn't care about the husband. No, I don't, I don't care about you. <laughs> like some of, us, some of our wives say to us, oh, my kids. But Leah, she wanted to spend time with Jacob. She wanted to be with him. And, and even though he hated her, yet she loved him. And, and, and here, here's the beautiful type uh, that Leah was like. Leah was like so much like Jesus Christ because Jesus, the Bible tells us, was rejected and despised. He was uh, rejected of all men. He was despised and rejected. A beautiful text in, in uh, Isaiah chapter 53 where uh, the Lord was rejected and he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. In a sense, that's us. That's uh, that we are like Jacob, brothers and sisters. That there are some who, who put up with Leah, who, who put up or tolerate what God wants because we want Rachel. And Rachel represents something that, that we desire. 
Rachel represents something that, that we want for ourselves, that, that, that we think if I, I could just have this fulfilled, if I could just have that, that wife or that husband, if I could just have that ministry, if I could just ha have that, that job, that goal, whatever it is that is your ambition, sometimes that's what drives us. If I could just get to that stage in life, that's our Rachel. And, and somehow we, we put up with Leah to get to Rachel. Sometimes we, we serve Jesus so that Jesus is our means or access to get to what we want. We, 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 we do. We come to church every Sunday. We do what we have to do. We put up with it because we want to get what we want. But folks, can I tell you, all that time we think that if we can just get Rachel, let me tell you, Rachel's not necessarily going to love us. Whatever that ambition is, whatever that, that, that goal, that dream that you have in life, that's not necessarily going to love you. In fact, so often when, when people achieve their goals and their dreams, they find that, that it's, it, it's a letdown. They find that it's not really cut out. It, it hasn't really fulfilled what they thought it was going to fulfill. You thought that, that you're going to be happy. If I could just get that, that six-figure job, I'm going to be happy. If I can, once I get to buy that, that four-bedroom home with a swimming pool, I know I'm going to be happy. We think that happiness and fulfillment will be the attainment of our dreams, will be the fulfillment of Rachel. But all the while, Leah is there loving us, has a plan for us, desire. He's, she's given us good things. She says, I see you. I hear you. I'm connected to you. Oh, I pray to God today that we would take our eyes off of Rachel and begin to see the Leah, the God. God who loves us the God who sees us and that we would we would find Judah in our mouth and begin to say yes Lord now I will praise my God I will praise the one who gives me true joy I'm gonna praise the one who gives me the real love that the world can't give me the one who cares for me the one who's with me the one who walks with me every day hallelujah Musicians, you can come. I think there's nothing more beautiful than the fact that I believe when God saw that Leah was hated, was rejected, it's because he saw himself who would be rejected by men, who would be despised by his own, his own brothers, his own brethren, who would be arrested, beaten, Whipped with the lashes, with a crown of thorn protruding into the skin of his skull. Suffering utter humiliation of nakedness and being crucified on a cross. The Bible says when God saw that Leah was hated, he opened up her womb. And here's the other type. Because Jesus was rejected by Israel. He opened up the womb for all of the Gentiles to be saved. Because Israel rejected him, now we have the 55 nations represented in this church, the Gentile world now has salvation tell you if you feel alone today God simply gave me this word to tell you he loves you he sees you he hears 
even the whimpers of our, our voice where we have no strength to even pray. He hears us and he sees us. Hallelujah. When, Ab when Jacob was old, when he was dying, he gave instructions to his family of where he was going to be buried. He said, bury me in a place called Machpelah because there I buried Leah. He didn't say bury me with Rachel because I think in his old age he finally came to realize after all of this time trying to get Rachel's love and affection, he finally realized all this time, hang on a minute, there's somebody else that loves me. Somebody that, that loves me, that gave me all of these children. So he said, when I die, don't bury me with Rachel. Bury me with Leah. When I want to spend eternity and the rest of eternity, let me spend it with the one that I know who loves me. Let me spend it with the one that I know that has this unconditional love for me. Can I tell you, you you've got to consider at some point in our lives, I don't know who I'm talking to, but where you will spend eternity. And when you die, it's going to be too late to decide then. You've got to decide now. You've got to decide on this side of heaven while you're still alive, while you're still walking this earth, where you will spend eternity. And let me tell you something tonight. Today, you can be buried with Jesus. You can be buried with him in baptism. Hallelujah. He said, bury me with Leah. Bury me with the one. When you get baptized, the Bible says your old nature, the old man is done away, is buried. You are buried with Christ in baptism. And you, when you walk out of that, you walk in the newness, the newness of life. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Would you stand to your feet today? I believe God wants to call somebody. He's calling somebody in this house to once again allow his love just to be poured out. The Bible says that his love is shed abroad. It is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You know what that's revealing to? Sometimes we can look at the Holy Ghost as some kind of mechanism. You got to walk through this door and then you're going to be saved. You got to get the Holy Ghost. And you're gonna... No, you know what it is? It's God pouring in His love towards us. It's not something. It's not some mechanism. It's not, oh, you got to tick this box. No, he's, he's pouring out His perfect love within us. His love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And today, if you've never experienced this wonderful phenomenon, this wonderful gift of God, of God himself, his, the essence of his spirit dwelling inside of you, I'm afraid you don't know true love. You don't have love. But today, you can have his love shed abroad in your heart. Oh, hallelujah. I believe God wants to pour that out right now. So if you would lift up your voices wherever you are, lift up your hands, lift up your voice. In Jesus' name, Father, we're asking you today. 
as we come with a desire with a need we pray Lord God that you would speak to our hearts that God we would be hungry again for your love Lord Jesus we would put away the Rachel's we would put away the things that we think we want and let us be seeing let's be able to see you and hear you and and be connected to you Lord God that we may praise you Lord I pray today Lord God that you would fill the hungry that you with those that are rejected and lonely Lord God that you would let your love be poured out upon them those that are hurting those that have suffered Lord where life has not been fair life has not been equitable Lord God when others are, are getting so much and are prospering and yet we are struggling Lord today we want that your love to be poured out again in Jesus name hallelujah I, I've got to stop but I want to invite you to come out of your seat to this altar here and let his spirit be poured out again let his love be shed abroad in your heart if you never received this wonderful gift you can receive it today why don't you come out of your seats we've got ministers and leaders that are making their way to pray with you come out of your seat to pray up this altar and I want you acknowledging that your God sees you hears your voice knows the circumstances I, I, I don't know if I did a good job today at all but I, I felt like God telling me to just simply tell you that he loves you he loves you and, and sometimes that is enough oh this altar is open why don't you come why don't you come pray and talk to God let the spirit of the Lord overflow you again let his love